Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 251. You know, you stay after it, you keep learning, you keep your attitude right, and, you know, your, your goals are attainable. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by World Barista Champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your restaurant unstoppable listeners get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Tandy Wilson. Chef Wilson, are you feeling unstoppable today? Oh, I'm feeling unstoppable today. Yes, that is what we like to hear. So Nashville native Chef Tandy Wilson got his start in the restaurant business during the late 90s as a dishwasher and quickly transitioned to a line cook. By 2002, he had both an administration and culinary degree. After five years of working on the West Coast, traveling Italy, and resettling his roots in Nashville, Tandy opened City House in 2007. Uh, he has been recognized as best new chef in the Southeast by Food & Wine Magazine. And after nine years of becoming a – or not nine years, but nine uh, semifinalist nominations and three consecutive finalist nominations, Chef Wilson finally took the title of James Beard Best Chef Southeast this year, last only like two months ago. So congratulations on that. Uh, so pumped Thank for you. you. You're welcome. Um, so I just gave the, the listeners a huge aerial view of who you are, what you've accomplished, uh, but we're just scratching the surface. So – can't wait to learn more. But before we dive into your story, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Take it away. Okay, you keep your nose to the grindstone every day. Every yes, day. Absolutely. And tell me how that has helped you, this mantra, and how <clears throat> how it's how it re- you know just resonates and echoes with you. Well, I mean, it's it's experience. You know, every day that you go to work and, and you spend time doing what you love in, in your kitchen and your restaurant. That, that's an experience gain and experience is priceless in our industry. Um, you know, the, the quicker you learn your mistakes, the, the less likely you are to repeat them. So, you know, you, you stay after it, you keep learning, you keep your attitude right. And, you know, your, your goals are attainable. I love it. I really do. Um, so much of what you say is just so true from listening to our guests. And I love how you put the emphasis on uh, experience. I feel like that's one thing that really kills people in this industry when they're trying to get started, when they're trying to uh, you know, start their own business. They, they come from one industry and they always had a dream of opening a restaurant and they just hit the ground running and try to open a restaurant. And it's like, Dude, there's so many moving parts. Like, get some experience, get that experience. And I mean, what, where do you think you'd be today if you didn't take that? Uh, I don't know, like eight years, uh, eight ten years. You, you were working in restaurants before you decided to open your own restaurant. Right, right. I mean, you, it, it's the thing. It, it can really get on top of you, and it can really beat you down. And, and if you don't know how to weather that storm, 
then I, I just don't know how you can last. And the only way to learn to weather the storm is to realize that the storm is a part of the game, yeah. you know. And, and, and you, you know, when you're buried in pickets one day, like, hey, maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Maybe this isn't exactly right, but let's, let's stay in it, stay observant and figure out how to fix it. You know, bitching about it after service isn't going to do anything for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so let's kind of g- capture your story. And I think we should probably start with, um, uh, where, where should we start? Let's talk about when you knew that you're going to make a career out of this. You're working as a dishwasher. You're transitioning to a line cook. You had a mentor, uh, hand you, a, a textbook in a culinary textbook. Take us through that experience in this moment of your yeah. life where you're like, okay, time to, yeah. down. I mean, that's a few years of my college experience crammed together, but yeah, it, it, you know, you, you're washing dishes and you're like, I like this, but I don't know why. <laughs> and, and, and and you can't quite figure it out. And the, the, the restaurant kind of, if you're restaurant people, you get pulled in and I am, and I got pulled in. Uh, and, and, and you know, some of it is the party at the beginning and the wild times yeah. and, and the good food that you get to eat and things like that. But when, when you start to see somebody and, and that's where, you know, you find somebody who's been at it for a while and they're really trying to make a serious run at it. And they start putting books in your hands, like, uh, Kevin Foltz put the LaRusse Gastronomique in my hands when I was working my last job in college. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and he has me reading on cooking, going from cover to cover with it. And, you know, working on this stuff inside the restaurant with him, it's, you know, you start seeing what the education is at that point, your mm. first taste of education in the food. And that's, that's way more addictive then the party part of it, I feel like, <laughs> you know, once you, once you wet that sponge, the idea of, of learning about food and cooking and what we do, you, you just, it's hard to stop that. One. Yeah. Shift Tandy, let's rewind a little bit and take me to that moment. Uh, when you're working, I think, was it an orange, orange squeeze or orange, uh, the orangery, orangery yeah, the yeah. orangery. Uh, was yeah. that kind of when yeah. you knew that this was yeah, going to be a career I, for you? You know, my parents knew before I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I decided that I was going to stay, at school after my freshman year and get this job and, and start working. My, my sister encouraged me to do so. She said, it's not easy to come home. You know, you got, your parents got rules and you got rules and they don't really meet up very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, through that, I, I stayed at school and then my, my parents kind of, I cooked a little at home and definitely loved food all through my, my home life. Um, so then, you know, the, the, the idea of staying there, I was talking to my parents one day, you know, telling them where I was going to live during the summer and things like that. And they said, you know, we, we really think that this might be something for you and maybe you want to go to culinary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was ready to, to hang up the phone and, and figure out which one I was going to next fall. Um, but they, they insisted that I stayed in school and completed my degree. And I did. And I'm really, really happy that I did that. And, you know, it was off to school afterwards. But, you know, so at the end of my freshman year, the the spring of, of 97 is pretty much when I had made the commitment that this is what I was going to do with my life. Awesome. Um, and it sounds like you kind of didn't have a complete direction when you were younger. You kind of had some guidance from uh, friends and family. Uh it's not somebody without direction that doesn't achieve what you've achieved. So at what point in this journey did you really start to like focus and pick up a a purpose and live with intention? Can you think of a time where that really started to happen for you? Yeah. I mean, it was in California for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, 
working in Knoxville, I worked with great people and I had a great experience and I'll, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm lucky to have it. But, uh, you know, when I got to Trevigny in, in Napa Valley, it was one of those moments of like, wow, this is beautiful and I can't wait to do it. And that was when we came in and had dinner before we started working. And, you know, they lure you in with those dinners <laughs> and they lured me in. And then the first day at work was the toughest thing that I'd ever faced. And what was so tough know, about I, it? Take us through that, that first day, like take us through the, the experience. We started there in October, which is crush. And everybody, I mean, it, you know, we, in that place, we would do 500 and something covers for lunch and wow. 600 for dinner with banquets going on and a busy day. So just the shock of that, like, hey, this is real food. You, you know, we're going to make the salad dressings from, from scratch and we're going to cut all these vegetables and we're going to work with farmers and we're going to do it on a massive scale. So I was introduced to a lot of things really quickly, like, you know, uh, the simple kind of California Italian food, working with farmers, respecting the ingredient, which we always did before, but it came from a distributor every time. So it's a little different there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it's this shock of like, uh, you know, I, I thought I was quitting once and the chef told me that I wasn't, and I listened to him. And why were you going to quit? And, and take, I, like, take us through. Like, get specific. Like, why? Why would you quit this awesome experience? Well, you know, I, kitchens were a little more uh, vocal and rough at times back then, and you know, it, it gets in your head, and you start to think that you really do suck, uh, and that maybe you can't do it, and. You know, when I broke down, those guys, you know, they, the same guys that broke you down in those days would be the same ones to then build you back up. What do you and mean by was, broke down? Like how? Bro- well, it, yeah, that I don't, I can't do this. I, okay. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not fast enough. Uh, I don't understand this food, you know, and it keeps coming and you're lost in a world. <laughs> how well, long did it, it take it, you to, how long did it take them to break you like give us a time frame from when you started to let's when see you were so i started in october and i was ready to go home at the beginning of the year oh. in january so like four and, months three months they really gave it to you yeah, right? oh yeah they <laughs> gave it to me and and, and then you know they, then they started letting me in at that point i guess yeah. enough was enough and and I started to see some other things besides the pantry station. And I gave them the quality of work that they were looking for to help me do things. And, you know, so that four months that it took me to quit by that summer, I had, you know, pretty much worked my way through the line. Yeah. And you said that you were going to quit, but the chef said no. Yeah. Talk to me. Talk us through that situation. And what uh, you, said to you know, one chef was leaving and another chef was taking the reins. And so I went to the chef that was taking the reins and not thinking about it. I did the wrong thing. You know, I didn't go to the guy that hired me uh. and he sat me down and explained that to me. And, 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 you know, it, it was really a great talk. It was very much along the lines of, I know you think that maybe you can't do this and that this is that tough, but you can, or you wouldn't be here. And, and it, that, that, statement holds up in so many situations you know it might not be going was he basically saying well it may not be going exactly the way you want i might still be on pantry rather than being uh on on the grill or on the oven or one of these things right yeah that the ball wasn't bouncing my way that i was at the bottom end of the totem pole and that i was getting worn out all the time but you know his his point was 
if I couldn't do the job, which was the thought in my head that, you know, we wouldn't have you here. You would have been gone a <laughs> long time ago. You would have been gone a long yeah. time ago. We would have, we would have sorted this out within a few weeks and you would have been on your merry way. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is you're still here. So you can do this. Yeah. That's- um, Let's fast forward, Chef, because I think one thing that you did, I think that everybody should do is travel, uh, experience different cultures, uh, experience yeah, yeah. the origins of the food we make. So talk th- talk us through uh, you being, uh, uh, I guess, um, convinced to take a trip to Italy and what that experience was like and how that shaped you, who you are today. Yeah, I just, you know, through the time out there, I was, I was, I was ready for a move and I was, I was tired of it and a little burnout and, uh. So, uh, you know, that sushi, that, that restaurant that I was on the pantry on, I was a sous chef at at yeah. this point. And, and so I, I was like, well, what do you do from here? And it's like, well, you know, I, I'm cooking, you know, this guy's experience of, of Italy and, and, and their Italian roots or Italian American roots as well. And I think, you know, well, th- that was an inspiration, you know, these people were, were huge to me. And so it becomes the idea that, well, now I need to, I need to do that myself. I need to go experience this and see it and feel it and smell it and taste it and, and dive right in and see if I can do it. Um, you know, half of the challenge of, of traveling is to see if you'll actually pack all your stuff up and do it. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I did it and, and went over there and it was just a whole new world. And it, you know, when you, when you see the world through the eyes of a traveler, it's, it's a bit of a different place mm. because you're going places. A lot of times you don't speak the language. Maybe you've had the food, but you've never had it. And it's, and it's point of origin. And, and, and there is some sort of a welcoming amongst food people that's always identified and mm. recognized. And then you start opening some doors and, and maybe you leave speaking a, a small, handful of words of italian but you feel so much a part of the culture mm-hmm. awesome and uh were you staging at all or were you, were you just a traveler were you- tried but the the lingual barrier is a big one and you know with a simple cuisine people tend to hold on to the secrets a little bit tighter um so spent a little bit of time in kitchens like in udine spent some time in a bakery watching uh gubana being made and and Zampina and Puglia on another trip. So uh, one of the best times uh, was um, at a friend's house in the Marquet watching his mom cook. Just wonderful, you know. So that, that, you know, if you can get into anybody's house when you're traveling who's a good cook, it doesn't matter where you are, that's always a do that. (laughs) So when you went out there, did you have the intent to stage? Is that something that you wanted to do or weren't able to? I definitely, definitely had the intent, but had nothing set up. Uh, had no contacts to set anything up. Didn't know where I was going. Just knew that the train would take you places and, uh, (laughs) landed in Rome. Awesome. I mean, that's so cool. Uh, It's, but I'm curious, like hindsight's 2020, you had the intent to stage. You still had a great experience being out there. Totally worth it. But what would you have done differently to get the most out of that time there for anybody who might be considering making a trip like this? I definitely, I would have, you know, I didn't have the contacts at that time that maybe I have now to tap into that and do it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this next year, um, it will, the restaurant will be working on its 10th year. Um, I, I turned 40 and I will have been cooking for about 20 years. And, 
So to talk about the staging and it being the thing that, that I missed out on, that is my one goal for myself is to set up three good trails and get out there and go work with people that can teach me something mm-hmm. for about a week, you know, um, whether I can make it happen or not, I don't know. But yeah, that, that's the big miss. It, you, you can eat the food and decipher it on your own. Um, but in, until you get in there with a, with somebody who really knows what they're doing and you work through it with them, it, it's hard to, to really get a feel for it. Yeah. Now I'm curious, chef. I feel like the, like we've said, like making these trips can be so valuable to your career, but sometimes, I mean, not pretty much all of us when we're at that point in our career making, I don't know, 15 bucks an hour. If we live in one of the good States, uh, like <laughs> you're not going to have a ton of money behind you and it might be scary. So what's your advice to somebody who's, you know, uh, really like considering traveling and experience these different cultures is this food they love. Like what was it like for you to make that decision? How did you, you know, take the leap and what advice do you have for somebody who is on the, the edge? Well, I mean, you, you can do it on a budget mm-hmm. um, and you can do it. I think the thing is you can be gone for longer at that rate. My first trip there was, was two months and uh, was able to, to pinch pennies and not rent vehicles and do things that, that kept me there for longer. And it's what I needed at that moment. I needed immersion and some time with my thoughts that didn't necessarily involve work hours mm-hmm. and, and, and and that was great. But then, you know, you, you follow up and uh, two years later, I went back and I spent the same amount of money in two weeks and rented a car. And, you know, I knew more what I was looking for. Yeah, at this point, more though. intentional. And, and I was able to hit a list of restaurants that I had written down that involved driving through the south of Italy. And it, it was an experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. But I don't think that I could have had that experience without digging in deep on the first one. Yeah, that's cool. So if you're so, give me like one sentence of advice. You're going back in time. You have a time machine. You're going back in time. You're on that edge, about to leap to take the trip. If you could give yourself one piece of advice going into that experience, what would it be? be oh man! <laughs> uh, you just be aware. I yeah. think the the yeah, always be aware of, of where where the food is happening. Yeah. You, you can always smell it or see the line and go get in that line and eat that food. Yeah. Awesome. Great stuff. So uh, I'm really curious to kind of uh, tap into your return to the U.S. where you started coming back to the East Coast. You're in Nashville, 2004. Um, you're getting this experience. You're starting to envision and go through the process of dreaming of your own concept. Uh, take us through that experience. I still wasn't ready for that when I came back. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really wanted to find a, a home and for some reason I didn't think that Nashville was my home. And I looked at a few cities around the South and I realized very quickly how good we have it here. Yeah, and listening uh, to you talk, it's definitely your home. It's home. <laughs> and I, I just didn't know, you know, and then yeah. I, and so I landed back here and I went to work for, for Margo McCormick in East Nashville. And it, it didn't take long for me to figure out that I was definitely home what, and, what and that I was able well, she, the way, the, everything about her, <laughs> uh, it's great to have my family. Don't get me wrong. And, and to be around them was a huge thing and every bit as much of a factor here, but to be with Margo, who's also from Nashville and an amazing chef and watch her change her menu daily and work with farmers and continue to try and make things a little bit better than they were the day before mm. was that 
that's what I needed to see. I needed to see that you can do it and it can be done and people are doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and she definitely gave me that. She gave me a reintroduction to my city that I, I can never repay her for. That's awesome. Uh, would you say that she was probably one of the biggest mentors and shift shapers of who you are today going into this? Without a doubt. How did, how did yeah, she really my- shape you showing you what it's all about? Yeah, working with me, beside me, you know, uh, watching her own a restaurant and seeing her her joys in it and seeing her be a part of it on that day-in, day-out basis and be in the kitchen cooking with everybody and, and that's this a, is what it can be. That's a Yeah, that's a rarity, seeing somebody who's actually in the work enjoying it. What do you think was it about her that made her enjoy her work? I think that, that you know, it, it's great work is the thing. And, you know, in a place... Like Nashville at that time, we didn't have anybody who could do a couple of TV spots mm-hmm. and then get signed for this thing and have a restaurant that is run well and makes delicious food and people very happy, but they don't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't, that didn't exist. And if it did exist, she just doesn't run like that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not wired that way either. I like to be in the kitchen and cooking and that's, that's where I'm happiest. So from... Um, from an operational standpoint, the way she ran her business, what do you think she did that allowed her to do what it is that she loves in the business? How did she run her business? But, you know, her business partner, uh, Jay Fryne at the time, yeah. that's, you know, he took care of the other part. He mm-hmm. ran the the office and the wine and did those kind of things. So they, that, that's something that I use to this day. I put, I empower people and put them in place to make these decisions for me. Like when we first, started out i was involved in the bar and that was just Mm. just crazy and pointless uh there there are a lot better people at it they go you know and and they do a lot better job making cocktails and keeping things seasonal and picking wines and it keeps me in the kitchen which is where i need to be yeah we should go deep right here i think we should really just dive into this topic because it's so valuable this lesson i think a lot of people are challenged with this process of finding other people or, you know, giving the control to other people is one thing, but the other thing is finding the people. So how did you build this team? Cause you only spent three years. So during that three years, how did you find the people to be able to do the parts of the business that you weren't the best at? And like your, your roles in the rest or in the kitchen. So right. how do you start a business with all these different pieces of the puzzle, these different people that do the different parts of the job, like how did you you know attract those people onto yourself? Well, I, I have a few advantages. You know, I have uh, my my dad has been successful in business, so he's been there to mentor me on that business side of things. What uh, kind of business was it? I've it was food brokerage, so okay. it was sales. But he can tell you what a healthy business is. Yeah, yeah. But then I have an accountant who's who's practically an uncle to me, uh, and so he he's able to watch out at the numbers and you know help refresh me from that college education as to what it is that I need to be looking for. Um, and then I think the thing is, you know, you got to learn what to watch and what you need to know what what this number means what that number means you know do you really know what food cost means all yeah. those things to understand those is crucial but then you know you, you got to realize that if you're if you're running around nitpicking about uh a point of service or different little things then that's time that you're spending out of the kitchen mm-hmm. and if you open your business as a chef that's where you're most important. It's most likely where you're happiest. Mm-hmm. So you can't ever just let anything go and pretend like it's not there. 
you know, when you talk about the people, you know, I only mentioned two and, and we really made and recruited the rest Mm -hmm. from that point on. And, And by recruit, I mean, they they came to us. Hey, this this seems pretty cool. What y'all are doing? Can I come work with you? So how did you make um, the, how did you make it appealing? I think that what you just shared was key. Uh, you can't just open a restaurant and expect the floodgates of people to come flocking to you. You need to appeal to people. So what was so appealing about City House that made people come to you? I think the main thing is one of it is is our schedule. I worked six months at Terra in Napa Valley, and we were closed on Tuesdays, which is weird. And we're closed on Tuesdays here, which is kind of weird still. But we're open on Mondays when, especially in the time that we open, most of the independent restaurants were closed. Mm-hmm. So the the chefs would come and eat first, and they would go back and tell their staff, like, hey, I, I really had a good dinner there. Y'all should go check it out. So then the staff starts coming. Ah. And, you know they like it. They like the, the servers are into the food and the wine and the cocktails and the cooks come in and sit up at the pizza bar and they, <clears throat> they see this big stone oven back there with a roaring fire in it. Their eyes get big. You know, we don't have that anywhere else in town. Mm. And that, that really to me is a huge one. It, you know, people who do this work enjoy it. So they enjoy going out to eat and drink as well. You know, always be hospitable to those people. Absolutely. I'm so happy you mentioned that because I was looking at your hours. I was looking at your website, going through things, looking for talking points. And I did notice your hours of operation being open Monday, closed Tuesday. And I was wondering if that was strategic exactly for that reason because, well, one, most restaurants close on Monday. Um, so that's going to open up there's fewer options. So the people who do want to go out know that you'll be open. And the other thing too, like you said, which I didn't think of at the time is you're able to attract industry people to yourself. So you're attracting the best of the industry to you who are available. Like they want to go out to eat on their day off. Like they don't get that luxury sometimes. Um, right. And one thing I've seen restaurants do, and I'm wondering if you do this too, you can let me know. They offer uh, like industry discounts. Like if you're of the industry, like you'll get like 20% off. Is that something you do as well? Yeah, we might do it in a little more old school school manner. We try and identify, yeah, you're from a restaurant. Okay, well, you know, let's take care of dessert. They weren't going to get dessert. Let's send them dessert. Uh, You know, a a little extra something here or there, but a a nod that, you know, we realize you're one of us. So we're going to, we're going to take care. Yeah. And I love the emphasis you put on being hospitable towards other people in the industry. And I feel like, I don't know why I had this mentality, um, in my more naive days where that, you know, restaurants in the same neighborhood were in competition with each other and they generally didn't mingle or share knowledge or work together and, and collaborate. But as I've grown, as I've studied these successful people, I've learned that it's those who do collaborate, those who do lean on each other and work together to raise the community that are the most successful. So yeah, like you say, put that, like be hospitable, attract industry people to yourself because you never know who what you're going to learn from these other people or who you're going to attract on that's right awesome that's stuff. right i yeah. love it um yeah oh man what else can we talk about this is turning out to be great i knew it was going to be great uh so let's let's transition to the point where uh you're opening take us through the experience of your opening the restaurant and some of the biggest you know challenges you're having some of the roller coasters you're riding what was that like as a total blur <laughs> 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 I mean, I you know, I had a really good idea for the regular menu format, and it's still pretty much what it is to this day. 
uh, and we've changed a lot of what's what's in there. You know, there are a few things. I knew we wanted to make a homemade sausage, and we still do that. I knew we wanted to roast a half chicken, and we still do that. And we still make pizza. But, it, you know, uh, it, it's so funny as you think back on it. Like, you know, the, the idea is to get open and to get figured out how you get through a service and then start making food better. Mm-hmm. Uh, start figuring out how much more you can push it and how much further you can go. But it's so funny if you put yourself in that spot, like back then you thought that this menu was, was it. You had written the end all be all and we were all good and we might never have to change this thing except for a few seasonal deals in here. Um, and, and, you know, so then I thought, yeah, wow, this is just crazy and a huge achievement to what we've done and you know the reality is is like that's really day one uh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was just the starting point um but going through it, it it was you know it was one of those things I, I was working my other job and coming here for construction it was a design build and you know, I was here for I think I missed four total days of construction during this thing and uh so yeah when you get it there it's definitely your baby but mm-hmm. it's it's actually time to start start going at that point. How did you get your capital to get started? Where did that come <clears> from? <throat> uh, my, my family, my dad, my mom and dad invested heavily in this business. That's awesome. And, and you know, it was at a time we were really fortunate. And I think, you know, yeah, this place is mine, but it's for this city. Mm. Um, we came in at a time where where we could get a piece of property in relatively downtown Nashville still for a, like a, almost a song. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it it was, you know, it's that kind of thing that we were able to settle in and be here. Now it's a lot harder for, Mm -hmm. for an owner operator to get the doors open in the city. So now are your parents, I don't, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. I was just going to say, um, are your parents a part of the business today? Was it an investment for them or was it, them and just it, no this is purely them doing something for me um and yeah investment as far as paying them back yes yeah paid back yes but you know it's one of those things that uh they were doing this regardless one way or another but i didn't just roll up to them and say hey mom dad i i think i want to open a restaurant mm-hmm. you know i worked my way through college on it i went to culinary school and got the education on it I went to a tough place in, in Napa Valley, Bay Area, if you'll stretch it, and, and worked myself up to the, the spot of sous chef before I came back home and worked myself to the spot of sous chef in a great restaurant here in Nashville. So it didn't really take a lot of convincing. You know, I, I, went, I went to them the same way I would go to an investor that I didn't know like my parents mm-hmm. with, with, with a plan, with a menu, with an idea, and you know, it, it had to be loose at that point because it was before finding this building. But at the same time, you know, the the bones of it were there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I love your brand, and I think that uh, your presence, your online presence is really solid. You're, you're kind of just looking at the website. I can think to myself, like, I kind of know that you're about, you know, farm to table. I know you're about, uh, you know, sustainability. Like, uh, who helped you develop that that brand and that, that image? Is that something that came instinctually to you? Did you get help? Well, uh, I mean, now the company's name is Loaded for Bear. 
but uh, Michael Carpenter is a dear friend of mine. And since college, we've been friends. Mm-hmm. And, and he does graphic design, which is so much more now. And I'm not a big guy. I'm not a big, oh, this, is, this needs to be your marketing plan and your advertising budget. Not, but I believe in solid graphic design. Yeah. And because everybody picks up their phones and looks at the websites so fast now. And it needs to look good. I mean, we're about to rework ours again, and it'll be like the fourth or fifth installment of it. And every time it's worth every penny. Your menus need to look good. Your website needs to look good. Your sign needs to look good. The colors that you choose for your place need to look good. Yeah, because, it, yeah, I think everybody eats with the eye goes beyond it's not that before it was the plate and i i think you can plate really good looking food if you can make good looking food or make good tasting food but you know people really hit that eat with the eye thing before they even order from the menu oh for sure i mean it's like would you not like clean up the front of your restaurant would you let people like you know throw their cigarette butts and trash and uh, not put flowers right. in front of the window or have an awning like all those things that curve appeal now extends to the online market because that's not the first impression anymore it's not like you get the address right. you roll up and this is the first impression the first impression is do they care enough about their business are they on top enough are they on top of their business enough to put the work um into the, that online presence, like that's going to show professionalism. That's going to make people feel confident in their decision to work for you. If you have an old, tired, beat up, uh, presence online, that's going to, you know, speak to the overall experience like that. Right. Right. It should be an old, tired, beat up restaurant, which are great, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but they, the the website should match the restaurant and we're we're not looking to give that impression. We want to, I mean, Everyone here, all of our feelings is that we are still riding the up curve and pushing it hard. So we don't want to look like we, we've hit the top or on our way down at all because yeah, we're not. Absolutely. And I love that you know you have a great presence now, but I love that you're even thinking about making it better. And I, I wrote in big words, one thing that I think is a huge uh, a huge trait, a huge characteristic for people in this industry who are successful is how to be better. Always asking themselves how to make it better. And so many people open and they, they stop there and then they never try to be better. They just stop at, right. we, we, okay, we, we got here, we're here, let's do what we do, but ask yourself, how can I make it better? And that's huge. And I'm curious, um, when you opened, did you vision out to the future to think about where you wanted to be? Um, I don't know, I guess nine years from now winning James Beard best chef Southeast. Like th- was that on your part of your vision? Like, or what things did you do? I didn't, I didn't think that, uh, <laughs> I didn't think that the James Beard award was an option. <laughs> so when the, when the first semifinalist nomination came along was the first time I thought about the, the chance to actually win the thing. Um, uh, before that, I didn't think that that was something that somebody from Nashville could earn. I didn't think that that was something that I could earn. Uh, so, no, I, I guess, I, you know, I had lofty expectations. I wanted to be the best restaurant in town. I didn't, I didn't, I knew that, that the forecast for Nashville was bright. I was, you know, very careful looking around at like, what type of business drives Nashville? What is the economic prosperity of Nashville? And it all looked really good. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that what was going to happen to Nashville was going to happen to Nashville though. So what were some of the key things you did 
real quick, um, in that nine-year period from opening to becoming uh, James Beard uh, Best Chef Southeast, or even the, the semifinals nominations are something to you know acknowledge, what do you think you did in that period of time from opening to getting this recognition that really distinguished you and made you uh, stand out? Well, I mean, I think that it was the the continued work in the food community here in, in Nashville to to work with people like like Bear Creek Farm and and you know we still work with them on a weekly basis about the trimming and the cutting and the you know the the pigs are a little fatty or they're a little small they're a little big yeah. that kind of thing but to get along those lines not just to in, install a program like hey we want to cut a half hog a week and a whole lamb a week but turn it into, you know, how do we, how do we do this great? How do we, how do we utilize everything? How do we make our food costs shine the most and and how do we make it the most delicious? So it's a constant thing. There isn't like one, one big thing that's going to change it all for you. (laughs) And, And there are no get rich quick schemes, whether it be in the restaurant or anywhere else. And if you stay after it, and keep honing it and you get a few lucky breaks and make a few right decisions, then, you know, maybe you end up in this spot. Who knows? Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm a huge advocate of, I mean, I'm not going to say food isn't important. Obviously we're in the, the, the industry of serving and producing amazing food, but it's not enough. So it's not enough. What were you doing on the operational side? Um, how did you run your business to make it achieve the things you've achieved? I, I hope that I take care of my staff, um, you know, and, and and then that's where they start helping me. You know, you, you can't do it alone. Like there's just no way there's too much work to be done to think you can do it all by yourself. But if you continue to find good people and then you got to keep good people, mm. you know, my, my sous chef, Aaron Clemens has been with me for, uh, I opened him. I hired him. I'm sorry. In the October before we opened. Uh, and, and he's still here and we're, we're opening a restaurant together uh, across the street, uh, next year. That's awesome. So, yeah, I, you know, and these are the stories, you know, like I, I work with, with a previous GM, Juliet Tobias with, with pizzeria place. And we were together for five years prior to that. The, the guy who's going to take Aaron's place has been here for six years. Um, so, you know, the, the, I, I feed everybody and I feed them well. Uh, I, I let everybody have a cold beer or a glass of wine before they go home. And I try and compete with, with paying as, as best I can. And I, I feel like we do a good job. And, and that's really our goal is to do better in the coming years. That's one of our main goals is yeah. to, to raise everybody's pay. Awesome, man. I love it. Um, you said take care of your people. And what I'm hearing from you, the the way, the best way to do this and what you've displayed sharing the story with us is be the means to their dreams. Provide opportunity to them. I'm sure, I mean, was it Eric, your sous chef? Is that his name? Aaron. 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 Uh, I mean, yeah. most people who get to that sous chef level, they have aspirations. They want to meet their higher needs of serving whatever it is that they want to do. Help them get there. Be be the way. I mean, if you're successful on their back, you're only successful on the back of your people. Let's be honest. Like it, it, you, That's right. you need good people. You need those awesome people. I mean, you wouldn't be where you are today if you didn't have someone like Aaron in your corner. What can you do to pay it forward for that person? Like, how can you invest in them? How can you give them opportunity? And that's one thing I see all these successful people doing. It's not about them. It's it's 
they recognize that they wouldn't be where they are if it wasn't for their people, but they don't just stop at having that gratitude. They, sh- they express it in their actions and they do things to help that person to grow in their own career. Is that something you would say you do? That's exactly, that's exactly where my goals have shifted since May. <laughs> they, they were headed that way anyway, but as far as like goals, I, w- I want to continue to be the chef of city house and continue to work here on a daily basis and be in the kitchen and, change the menu and do all the stuff that I love to do. But I also want to help mentor people and facilitate their goals. And at the same time, it only grows the restaurant community in the way that we want to see it grown in our city. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, I got to get a failure from you. We've talked a lot about your successes. We've talked about how the things you do, the way you treat your people, uh, the way you you know lead your life to get to where you are today. But we haven't really covered any of the biggest hiccups. Uh, so tell me about a time, Chef, where you just really fell hard on your ass. <laughs> then yeah, well, I just did it. I just did a bit. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm starting a, a, a pizzeria, a Roman-style pizzeria called Coloroso. And it's a concept that I've been working on for some time. But I, I met a great group here in town uh, called Fresh, and and they gave me the opportunity to open on a college campus last year, and and we've closed the restaurant since, and we failed miserably. And it, it was a it was a combination of of going onto a college campus and not into an area that I'm more accustomed to, and it being eight hours away, whether you fly or you drive, and then me trying to figure out how to meet the needs of students who I don't normally cater to. We, yeah. You know, our doors are open to every demographic that you can find, and you'll see it in our dining room, every age, everybody. But what, you know, you don't see a whole ton of college kids because they eat, you know, Domino's and at the cafeteria and whatever. And I was really late like putting all this together and I was very blind to the situation that I, I, I kind of jumped into two feet first. And, you know, it, it was really good for me to know, you know, Hey, you're not invincible and you better think long and hard about it. And you better make that food delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from, uh, not really knowing the people, uh, not knowing the demographic, having it be so far away from where you're, you know, you're, uh, stationed, uh, what's one thing that you think you did or one big failure, like the biggest failure or one thing you would do differently knowing, you know, having hindsight be 2020 uh, with this location. You can't say not open there. Cause that's not an excuse. Uh, <laughs> I would open with, with pepperoni on the menu. <laughs> so are you saying your food was maybe too uh, developed and too? Eclectic yeah, the, well, uh, it was, it was very vegetable forward. Yeah. Um, the, there, there was good meat when it was there. Um, yeah, it, you know, but it wasn't. It, it, it was maybe I, I was I was getting a little further ahead too quickly mm-hmm. than I should have, and I, I really feel like I should have brought him in and showed him that yeah, this is just pizza and it's delicious, and and then started down the trail of more vegetables and yeah, things like that. Um, I didn't go in and win any trust, and you know, this was in West Virginia. My name might go a long way in Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. but it doesn't go, go anywhere in Morgantown, West Virginia. Exactly. You know, and and I wasn't I wasn't aware enough to necessarily sit back and realize that. But yep. a big old slice of humble pie is good for all of us every <laughs> once in a while. Absolutely, and then you know, like you're not going to hit everyone out of the park, and 
you have to realize that like you're going to try new things. That's one thing I've noticed about successful people is that they they swing away and they don't. I'm sure you didn't let this stop you. I'm sure you're not going to like end you know any like, or, like, cut off any possibility of you starting a new restaurant because you didn't have success with this one. I'm sure you're I mean you're working on a new one now with your chef chef uh, yeah. cuisine. So and I'm I'm working on the Coloroso again exactly. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's it's coming back. It'll be it'll be here this year and you know, I, I feel like we've already surpassed our previous level of where we were and and my expectations are much higher than that awesome i think the lesson in this is you know start with the end in mind meaning uh who are you serving what are they expecting what do they need what services aren't there that are meeting their needs and start there and work backwards uh to what you're you know the start with your your guests needs what they're start yeah and work back know your community absolutely awesome stuff we're gonna take a quick break uh to thank our sponsor and we'll be right back when you're running a busy restaurant, it's pretty hard to find time for training. Well, Tipsy has a whole library of video courses from industry experts, including world barista champions, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Get your staff watching Tipsy courses and watch their growth help your business. With Tipsy, scheduling training, tracking skills growth, and measuring engagement is a piece of cake. In the hospitality industry, we never have enough time, so training often falls away. But as management legend Andy Grove says, the only two ways to improve performance are training and motivation. Tipsy provides both. Click the Tipsy banner in the show notes to find out more. Because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll receive a special 50% off your first month. What are you waiting for? Get on it. We're back, and the first question I have for you is uh, which it factors, you know, habits, traits, characteristics, do you believe most contribute to your success? Oh, my stubbornness. <laughs> I think that, that that is, it's a blessing and a curse, but more a blessing than a curse. Yeah. Uh, I, I think my work ethic, in which really those are very similar, I feel like, at the end of the day. What are you stubborn about? Um, I won't give up on something, you know, like we, we did a, uh, a cornbread gnocchi when we first opened and it was terrible. And, and I, it was on the opening menu and only last two days. And, and Aaron, my sous chef who we spoke about was, he was like, we just we can't do it. And we, and we put a bread gnocchi on that was something that was a player on our menu for years after that. But then I guess six years, seven years later, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't give up on it still and went back to it and corrected it and turned it into an extremely successful dish for us. That's awesome. So, you know, I'm stubborn like that. I'm, I'm stubborn that sometimes I won't give up the old way of doing things, you know? Um, And, and I think that, you know, a lot of times it helps us. A lot Mm -hmm. of times there are times that we're the first people to jump over, and try something new to try a different reservation system to try something that not everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then there are other times where I'll be the last to go and you know, you got to trust your gut. Yeah. I mean, but those are all examples of taking risks and business is all about risk taking. Cause you're going to hit big sometimes and you're going to get that slight edge over people in your, your neighborhood you're, you're competing against and you, 
you're going to, you know, make some mistakes, but you can usually bounce back from those mistakes pretty quickly, you know. But when you do get those big advantages, I mean, it can be game changing. Yeah, yeah. You you have to recognize an advantage whenever it's in front of you. Yeah, and go for it. Awesome stuff. Um, before we ask the next question, too, as far as if factors, chef, I need to point out uh, how you're always asking yourself how you you can be better, always looking to improve, which I think is just a huge characteristic to have, uh, and the the ability that you have to attract great people to yourself because you're so great to others yourself. Um, and I think those are some if factors that I just noticed from your story that we can all take and learn from you. So. That's just my two cents. But the next question I have for you is, what is your biggest weakness? Oh, wow. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is it being stubborn by chance? Because you did say that it's both a weakness or a strength and a detriment. Yeah, I think that that's definitely part of it. I I think sometimes I also I know when people aren't right for a position and I'm too stubborn and hang on to them. Mm. I've, I've been guilty of that. For sure. Uh, so you know they're, they're not right, but you hang on to them. Continue because to try and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, we've been able to shape a lot of people, mm. and and continue, and that includes me. You know, and we we continue to do that, right? And so I think you get maybe it's a confidence in it that you can do that with anybody at a certain point. And hey, if you have the right attitude, I can make you be what we need you to be and unfortunately it's not always true mm. would you say more times than not it is more times than not it is Absolutely, yes. and i agree with you and uh it's, it's funny you bring this up because yesterday during my mastermind session we had one of the people in the the group who was dealing with their gm that they just hired who's been a friend who they're opening this restaurant and he got arrested for uh possession of like like not any serious drug um and he's like, should I get rid of him? Is this going to be bad? I'm like, I mean, people make mistakes, man. And if he's a good person and you trust your gut, like use this as an opportunity to, to show him that you're willing to work with him and help him make better decisions and develop him as a person. And that sounds like without a doubt. Yeah. And it sounds like that you have that same philosophy. And I, it's, it's great to hear you say that because it feels like my advice for him is a little bit better now. So awesome. Uh, what is one piece of advice you have for leading other people? Uh, it, well, it, it has everything to do with attitude. So I feel like you can't lead people if you can't keep their attitude in the right spot. Mm. It, you know, it, so it, you get everybody buying into the system and you can lead them anywhere. Awesome. What's the best way to get them to buy in? For me, it it is to, to be there and do it with them. Mm. You know, if, if I, can still work a station and still clean it up and close it down the right way, then everybody knows that that's an expectation I have. Yeah. I love it. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. I don't do it for that reason. I, I still love to cook on the line and I still have certain standards that won't allow somebody to come in and scrub my station when I'm done using it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just a matter of, of, of my makeup a bit. Um, but I, I think that that is a great way. You know, if you can come to work every day and have the right attitude and work towards getting things done, then, then I think you can really expect that from other people, you know. Awesome. What's one question you look for when interviewing or one quality you look for when interviewing? I, I look for the level of engagement. Um, you know, somebody can have all the right answers and and that. 
and they, you know, they're still not right in the heart with it. Um, you, you got to know that you got to have some level of trust that when you're not there, cause you're not always going to be there, that they're going to be the person that they were in the interview, you know? So if they're truly engaged and truly interested, I feel like that's, that's pretty easy to determine in a, in a relatively short amount of time in an interview. And if they're not, it's usually a pretty good sign that it's, it's not worth your time to go down that road. Mm, absolutely. Uh, what's one challenge you're currently dealing with um and how are you dealing with it well right now i'm dealing with the challenge of of working on uh, on my restaurant full speed while working on opening two others full speed uh so learning to manage multiple things at one time the the biggest factor i i I found is something that, that i've used from day one and well, it, it's to know when to when to cut yourself off from the world, I guess. Mm. It's to know when to put the cell phone down in the bar and walk into the kitchen and not be available for three or four hours. Or, you know, to, to know the same when you're moving into a meeting, to be totally present where you are at all times. But that doesn't mean you have to be present to everybody. Absolutely. It's, it's so ironic that you're mentioning this is the first time I've got that piece of advice on the show and it's coming at a perfect time. I just started reading or almost finished reading a book called Deep Thought or Deep Work, which talks exactly about that. It's called Deep Work. I think you'd really enjoy it, Chef, because you're, you're going to I'll check it out. I need, I need a beach book. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what's one thing besides food uh, your restaurant does really well that separates you from other restaurants? hospitality mm, awesome yeah our our service and our genuine hospitality is something that is for real mm. um you know like i no no one wants to go somewhere with bad service so you know we recruit people that want to i say recruit but it I, I don't go around town looking for people but when we bring people in here and and we decide to make them a part of the family i think that that is a really important thing for us is to to make sure that they want to be hospitable, that they want to be in this industry. Um, but you know, you, you can't have good food that, you know, it has the quality of, of home and the, the feeling of love in it. Our food does. It can't be represented by a cold, stiff staff. Mm. Absolutely. Who, yeah. Yeah. Totally on board with that. So what's one book, Chef, you are we must read to become better people or better restaurant owners? Oh, wow. Uh, you, you know, a good one that, that would go back to the travel and stuff might be uh, something from younger years, which would be Sid Artha. It was, say it one more uh, time for me, Chef. Sid Artha. Okay. S-I-D, I think, anyway. I'm terrible speller. <laughs> terrible speller. Uh, and it's about travel and life and, and, and some of the things you can find in it. It's a small book that, that a lot of backpackers might carry around. And, you know, you, you pick up a little something different every time you read it. It, it awesome. just kind of really gets your thoughts going, I feel like. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, and I think for, for me lately, something that I've found a lot of inspiration in as far as like who I want to work with and, and, and where, who we want to support as a restaurant has been Dan Barber's fifth plate. Um, it, it, yeah, it talks about food and, and the environment and the, the world we're in, but it, it, 
talks in a greater, in a maybe in a bigger way about uh, about how to treat the earth, which is how other people should be treated by by people. It it, it talks, you know, it has a bigger message than 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 the important one that it directly preaches. Awesome. So this one, this next one, I'm really excited for because uh, you had mentioned earlier, you're always looking to new technologies, new ways to improve your business, have that slight edge. So what's one new technology you've recently adopted that you're getting a really good, um, you know, result of and a good return on investment with? We're very basic, I feel like, Uh, but you know, and this so this doesn't really answer your question, but I think as best I could answer your question is okay. like we continue to work on communication inside of the restaurant every day. Okay, and we feel like the 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 way the GM and myself and my sous chef and the kitchen staff and the front of the house staff and the back of the house staff and the pastry chef and if we can all communicate properly and stay on the right page then we're, we're all, we all have the skills to pay the bills, mm. you know, and we're all going to get it done. But it's when we try and operate alone without communicating that we stumble up. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that is a big, it's a very simple place. You know, um, we, we don't, we, we have a reservation system and some things like that, but I, I don't have, Are you used, I'm not a big You're not using guy. any tools to improve communication, no. like a scheduling app or a, no. No, I, interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't own a computer. <laughs> well, hey man, whatever you're doing, don't stop doing it because it's working for you. But, uh, <laughs> it's me. I, I'm a bit. I'm a bit of an old soul, and I. I think that the way that things have been done can still be done right. You yeah, know, I agree. I will say that moving into the new spot, Aaron is much more. He really believes in in tech and what it can do for the management and those yeah. things. So he is adding some things. And as I see success in them, I would look to me to turn around and add them here. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm smart enough to keep my ear to the ground and understand what's important and move in that direction. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's, a lot of the tech, I'm not going to be the guy leading the way. I'm curious. You mentioned a reservation service you're using. You adopted a new reservation service. Which one is that? Restaurant Connect. Oh, cool. I have not heard of that one yet. Thanks for sharing. Awesome. Yeah, uh, it's great. <laughs> great. Uh, we'll have that in the show notes. This is episode 251. Uh, what's one, or whoops, wrong question. With all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time, Chef, and give your past self one piece of business advice, what would it be and why? Uh, I think that it. I would tell myself that it's important to stay the past when you when you know what A is and you know what D is, but you don't know where B and C are and, and stay the path in those uh, situations. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, I, I'm picking up what you're saying. It sounds like just have a vision and know where you're going. So if you get off the path, you can remind yourself, you know, where you're, what you're all about. So you can get back on that course. Yeah. But, and, and so I do that with rules, but what I would do is, tell myself to never say never because mm-hmm. most of the rules I've made, uh, I've broken many of them and, and break them purposefully at times. And it's just, you, you know, you got to understand that. Yeah. It's important, that. but you, you know, 
you got to know when to be loose. Well, I, I totally get that because I feel like sometimes, Chef, that um, we create these core values or rules, like you say, and we are always evolving as people. We're always learning new things. And sometimes you realize that a new core value or a tweak to a rule might get you to where you're trying to go. Or as you say, the letter D better and faster, or maybe you right. have a, a new place you want to go, a new destination, a new vision. Um, and those rules might be holding you back. So it totally makes sense. Uh, awesome stuff. What's one question I could have asked you, chef, that would have added more value to this. More value to this? The question, yeah, this 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 engagement. Oh, oh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know what a good good one would be. Well, you were awesome, Chef. I had a blast talking with you today and learning from you and hearing your stories. We're gonna wrap it up. We wrap up every interview by calling somebody out. So, who's one uh, independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire and think would be a great guest mentor on the show, like you were for us today? Oh, so we're uh, John Fleer. John Fleer. Of, of Rhubarb in Asheville, North Carolina. Awesome. John Fleer, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show as a guest mentor. Thank you for calling him out, Chef. And let the folks at home know how we can connect with you if we want to come join your team, if we want to maybe pick up the conversation somehow or anything. Like, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, come right to our website. Uh, CityHouseNashville.com and and shoot us an email. Yeah, and it sounds like you got some uh, new projects in the works. So a great team to join, uh, growing team, expanding team, lots of opportunity, awesome, lots stuff, of chef. opportunity. Yes, sir. Uh, you were awesome. Deal. You were awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, there's no, thanks for having me. No problem, man. There's no questioning. You're unstoppable. All right. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys enjoyed it. So a couple of things before I let you go. I'm now offering free one-on-one 15-minute chats. If you want to get inspired, if you need to get just a little motivation, or if you have some questions about some of the things we talked about on the show, you can now chat with me for free 15 minutes. Head over to Restaurant Unstoppable to find the links. Don't forget that we have a complete list of all the books and resources our past guests have recommended. These are the books they read, the resources and tools they're using in their restaurant, the tools that are helping them be successful, a whole list archived right there at restaurantunstoppable.com. Don't forget to use my links if you really want to give back to the show. If you want to show your appreciation for all these episodes I'm putting out, the best way to support the show is to simply use my links when you discover something new that can help you in your restaurant. Thank you in advance. Also, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. And I can't finish without reminding you to keep those emails coming. I love your emails. They fire me up. They keep me going. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me what you love about the show. Tell me anything. I'm here for you. Just shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. All right, that's all we have for today. I hope you're enjoying this journey as much as I am. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.